Well, hello, folks, and welcome to We the People. This is the American soccer podcast in which you're going to get to know everything that you need to know about the U.S. men's national team. I'm Clayton, and I'm a rapper. I'm Time Web Designer. And we are not alone today, folks. Not alone today. The Neymar is here. <laughs> it's We the People. It's We the People. It's We the People. It's We the People. Folks, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very exciting day for me, and I'm, I'm so glad that you're, you're here to join me for it. I get to hang with uh, my main man, my bro, my bruv, uh, Tai Fujimura, as I often do. But today is special. It's even more special than you, Ty. We've got John, <laughs> John Arnold today, and uh, I couldn't be more excited. John, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. And look, your brother, man, I know you get to see the guy all the time or, or get to talk to him all the time, but he's, he's at least equal to my... I mean, you know, no one's better than anyone here. <laughs> you're right. You're right. This is the we, problem with U.S. soccer culture, John. Uh, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, no, never mind. You need to fast track me and forget about him. Leave him in the dust. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Leave man. me behind. Yes. You've, got, you've got a future. I don't care about what Ty has done to get me to this point. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think it's harsh, but uh, we'll see. Well, maybe we can, you know, maybe we can see if we can prove our worth here in the in the in the rest of the show. See who's really the the best American soccer mind. <laughs> All right, we're going we're going mano a mano. I'll throw my hat into the ring too, we'll as as a as a uh, as as like that that random dark horse upset. I'm just there for flair. Uh, John, how's your week been, man? What a what a weird and I want to say difficult time. To be a soccer fan in the States. Yeah, it's not what I was expecting to be uh, covering or writing about or doing. I mean, uh, for Goal.com, my full-time job, I mostly cover Mexico, but I've, I've taken on a little bit of the, uh, hopefully you'll be seen in the, in the upcoming days, weeks, sort of the like U.S. soccer politics uh, beat a bit. Uh, so I've talked to a couple, or I'm, I will be talking to a couple of the presidential candidates uh, who are challenging Sunil Gulati. Uh, we'll see if I'm able to talk with the, the man himself. I'm skeptical, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Hopefully be able to, to do a couple interviews. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's uh, it's instead of thinking, oh, okay, well, how is this all going to shake out? It's, uh, wow, what comes next? What are we going to do? And add on top of that, I cover FC Dallas for the Dallas Morning News, the local newspaper here in the city I live in, and they missed the playoffs as well. So Ooh, everyone is... Yeah. Uh, Pretty, pretty uh, on edge, sad, and, and uh, you know, as a reporter, I try and stay neutral all the time. But at the same time, I mean, you you, you talk to these guys a lot. I am American. Uh, you, you know, you like to see guys happy and in good moods, and that has not been the case in the past month. It Tough month for Kellen Acosta. Case. Absolutely, no. I talked to him after the after the FC Dallas game, and it's you know, like he's he's a kid, you know. <laughs> I mean, sure, he's, he's in his 20s, but he's a kid, you know, he's young, he had a good year for himself, right? Like, he really burst on and sort of proved, I think, that especially the Mexico game in the Azteca, you know, proved that he can yeah. play for the U.S. and be an international player, proved that he can probably make a move from FC Dallas to a bigger club. So, like, personally for him, you know, 2017, I think, on the field has been all right, but... You know, two times right, right. in what two weeks he's sitting in a locker, head hung low, trying to explain what the hell happened. So it, right, it's it's right. difficult uh, for him, and and certainly for I think a lot of these guys. What he said after the FC Dallas game is, you know, these are things that okay, we now have to learn from them. He said, you know, other players and international, you know, legends have gone through these dark moments. If you don't learn from them, you're not going to get any better. I think that's a beautiful attitude, but that doesn't take any of the sting off of what's happening right now. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. It it feels like a missed opportunity for 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 that generation, though, as has been uh, covered a lot um, lately in the U.S. soccer media. There does seem to be this kind of gap between that U twenty generation with you know Ariola and Acosta, um, and no one really in the middle between them and the the thirty somethings. Um, what do you make of that uh, kind of talent talent gap theory? Yeah, I I think it's a good. Uh, observation. You know, when you look at the team that Arena took to, uh, well, to face Panama and Trinidad and Tobago, and also even you know even the rosters Jurgen Klinsmann was calling up, it's a it's a lot of veterans and a lot of young guys, and 
yeah, like what happens in the middle? Like we have a donut, right? There's a big hole where yeah. we really should have like a cake or a pie or something. But it just didn't. It's an Emerson Heinemann shaped hole, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I and and I miss him, and I want him back. Yeah, I, I'm. I mean, Texas guy, I'm in on that for sure. No, I I, I don't know. I, it's weird because. I, I, I guess what we're sort of seeing, maybe my theory is that we're sort of seeing, and I know Christian Pulisic wasn't developed at MLS Academy, but you know Acosta was, Ariola wasn't, but had some contact with LA and then went to, yeah. to Tijuana. Yeah, some of the other guys who I think we're going to see in the next few years, and some of the guys having success with the U17s, you know, our MLS products, I think we're seeing sort of the, the, the weird time between, hey, we've got soccer, like, this is great, like, which is, I think, like Donovan <laughs> Dempsey, Be- uh, Beasley came out of, Bradley right, to yeah. some extent, of like us, yeah. the U.S. realizing like, oh, we can be a soccer nation, we can keep qualifying for <clears> World <throat> Cups, we, we have a domestic league now, or we're starting this domestic league, Josie maybe in that same category. And then, like, us being, like, trying to ride that, I think, and just saying, like, oh, we've got MLS, and now these players can jump from MLS to Europe, and it's great. And and that was sort of, I think, the development strategy for a while, even though if it wasn't actually on paper, that that was a strategy, that was the the idea, Mm -hmm. right? And then we realized, oh, crap, like, we actually have to develop these players. Like, we can't just send them off to Florida and hope that something happens. Like, so now we have the development uh, development academy model. And I'm not saying that's perfect. Don't hear me say there's not problems with that. But I do think it's a model that's going to produce players to the United States already is producing some players in the United Already States. Already is, yeah. So, I mean, when you look at that, like, I, 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 wow, it's frustrating to hear Sunil and Bruce and and the guys in power saying after, well, oh, we don't need any big changes because clearly I think we do. Oh, my do. God. However, I will oh, say, man, yeah. I, I don't think you want to just toss out everything. You don't want to toss out baby with the bathwater or, or whatever. Like, you don't want to toss out everything because I do think there are some... Uh, seeds or or maybe even plants starting to come up where we have sort of tried to grow players and tried to establish things right. like I don't think everything right. sucks about US right. soccer right now but I do <laughs> think you know clearly it's time to change folks reach out to us on Twitter at WTP pod let us know uh, what you think how that how that whole occur and 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 uh, what happened to this little generation and 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 you know, how are we going to move forward? Because you're right, there's an exciting uh, U17 team that just played as a result of uh, this team, which exists in its current form as a result of some of those changes to youth development that you've mentioned uh, in this country. And yet there's this enormous gap and we're, we're experiencing at the top nothing but tragedy. Where to go from here? Uh, and one follow-up I have on that is with you spending so much time in Mexico and around Mexican teams, can you contrast the the Mexican uh, youth development scheme with the way it, it works in the States. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in Mexico, it's... <laughs> Uh, this is sort of, I guess, like a stereotype, but it truly is sort of like rules don't apply. Uh, Mexican teams have academies, and, and it's incredibly competitive. Uh, the competition for kids, the scouting, the resources devoted to those uh, scouts and camps and, uh, and the academy itself... Uh, are enormous before most Mexican games. This is something that I've said for a long time that I would like to see MLS try and adapt. I'm not sure uh, how feasible it is, but so like if you're going to a game uh, in Mexico, you can also show up a couple hours early and the U17 teams for those two teams will play and then the U20s will play and then you have the first team game. This gives players the experience of traveling for a game, uh, playing in a team, competing in a league. Uh, you know, the fans don't usually right. show up until the first team game, but, you know, in some respects, playing in front of fans, that sort of thing. And, and look, we've said for a long time, smart people and and my, people like myself who are maybe not as into the developmental side of the game, you know, we, we have to find a way to simulate or produce real-life competitive scenarios, and nothing to me does it better than actually having kids play games. So I think that's a big thing, and, and you're also seeing a lot of money put into scouting and that sort of thing because it's very competitive. Like, I don't know a ton about, like, the developmental territories, how that all got started, you know, how, you know, if I'm FC Dallas and I hear about this kid in California, I can't I can't scout him. He's the Galaxy's kid or he's LAFC's right. kid or, right. or what have you. I don't really, I'm, I'm going to say very honestly, I don't know totally how that works to understand it. That's not really a concept in Mexico. Like, if I'm Club America in Mexico City and I hear about a kid in the U.S., 
I'm going to go get him, although there's a little bit of questions with the right. FIFA rules right now. But if I hear about a kid in Tijuana, I'm going to go get him, and there's no issue. And if right. I'm Club Tijuana and I don't sign that kid in my academy and I lose him to Club America, uh, I feel pretty pissed, right? So I think there's a lot of sort of money and pride uh, at play in the Mexican development system. Now, right. I will say they've that's paid off with good results for the most part in lower levels for Mexico. You know, they've won uh, World Cups at the youth level. They have usually mm-hmm. good performances. They won the gold medal in 2012 in London. I, I, some, A lot of those players have not worked out. So I do think there's maybe some f- f- fool's gold maybe or, or, you know, sort of like false hope that comes from sometimes from youth teams mm-hmm. winning because I think if you develop 17-year-olds to have them be the best 17-year-olds and they win and it's great – that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be the best 20-year-olds. That doesn't necessarily going to be the, be the best 23-year-olds. That doesn't mean you're going to have a good senior right. national team. And I think Mexico is, is feeling some of yeah. that because that gold medal team, with the exception of two, one or two guys, it's really not where um, they want to be. Chucky, so, I think, was on that team. Uh, for some reason, when I think of that team, I think of the uh, overage players. Like Arriba Peralta was on yeah. there, and they also brought yeah, Arriba, a, I remember. a goalkeeper, yeah. I think. Talavera or Corona. Uh, yeah, it might have been Corona. Yeah, I can't really recall, but yeah. Let's assume for a second um, that it is categorically better to have to to have a, a culture in which there is less red tape around the movement of young players and more of an emphasis on just finding talent above all else. Uh, this this is something that we see in many other countries. Um, and uh, not so here. So on this show, we've talked a lot about what it is about America that kind of has set up this situation where there's, there seems to be things in, institutionalized in place that, uh, that resist the, the progress and development of our players, such as the cultural value and, and sort of institutions based around going to college and having soccer players go to college, which is something that in America, not only do we value culturally, but we have the opportunity to value culturally. And it's a, definitely a good thing that college is on the table for many of our young people. However, it's definitely not helping us out uh, in the realm of developing more politics. So the kind of general question that I'm interested in getting your take on John, John Arnold. I don't know why I keep, I keep wanting to say Jarn. Jarn Arnold? Jarn Arnold. He's your boy Jarnold. Some people do call me Jarnold, um, but I'm not, a, I'm not a huge, I mean, whatever. As you can tell from the fact the that, Neymar. as you can tell from the fact he, that my he hates is it, guys. Neymar <laughs> is that uh, I don't really care what you call me as long as it's like not, like it's slur. Other than that, it's fine. Uh, uh, briefly, let's I don't let's know of Jarnold Let's explain that. So if, if, oh, yeah, yeah. Throw in a quick plug for the World Football Phone-In. So yep, I, I've been yep. a listener for 10 years or something since since I was in college. Um, and it's it's just one of my favorite pod... It's one of my Desert, desert Island podcasts. Uh, and if you are a fan of this show, I think you'd like it a lot. You know, obviously not a ton of focus on the U.S. team, but if you want to learn about the global game, learn about uh, global culture in particular, get really interesting insights through soccer... Uh, about you know other people people in other countries and and um, uh, you know just well, and give, here, giving yourself Tim a better Vickery, perspective on like the universe. Just a total it's gem of yeah. a human being and like a total uh, encyclopedia of South American football. But then like other stuff as well. He just knows he's an incredible mind. The the name comes from. I'm just going to jump in. The name comes from. Yeah. They give everyone a Brazilian shirt name and it has to have some sort of Brazilian tint, obviously. And so between me being from Texas and Neymar <laughs> being this sort of young cocky, I, I'm the youngest expert, quote unquote. Uh, I put myself in quotation marks with that one, but I'm the youngest expert on the show. Uh, so I think I ended up with that name. However, my friends had known that this was coming and wrote, had written in to suggest John Kakaf, which I would argue is a is an objectively <laughs> objectively <laughs> better name. However, uh, you know you don't speak up because then you get stuck with a, a name that you really hate. And I think exactly, yeah, Neymar is, is like rule. a totally fine uh, moniker. I, I, I wear it. I wear it as long as it's not a slur. It's not. A, it's not a so, slur. So, 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 yes. <laughs> all right, so, all right. Uh, well, well, question, if it, if Jarnold if Jarnold comes out, I'm just gonna let that's it flow. Fine, that's fine. Um, uh, and and folks, uh, you know, maybe reach out to us on Twitter at what you think would be a good nickname for Mr. <laughs> Jarnold. Uh, there are many opportunities, <laughs> many possibilities. But anyways, back to the point. So we're talking about how with, the, with these youth teams, there's it's a no holds barred thing, and part of the difference uh, culturally is that there are these. Um, there, there are things about being an American 
that, uh, you know, make it less of a desperate and vital situation for the kids and less of a desperate and vital situation for the clubs to kind of um, scalp talent and do whatever it takes and, and, you know, get those touches on the ball. So how do we address that as American soccer fans? Because our goal is not to become a nation where, you know, children's only opportunity for upward mobility is through this game. Our goal is to have everyone have all the opportunities, but also have an amazing national team. So, so how do we balance those two? And what do you think our approach should be uh, culturally off the field to this kind of issue of, uh, you know, taking both taking care of our young generation in every way, uh, but also getting their damn feet on a soccer ball and getting them to be good <laughs> at this thing. One of the things I think about the World Cup uh, failure to qualify that I think really hurts is that when the U.S. is in the World Cup, you get the, a lot of people watching, right? A lot of people who wouldn't normally watch watch soccer, a lot of people who wouldn't normally tune in are watching games and seeing, like, I think these get criticized a lot of times, but, like, very basic features on, like, hey, this is Christian Pulisic, and this is who he is, and this is why he's good, right? So, like, it's basic, and, like, soccer fans were like, yeah, I already know that, obviously, but I think you, you <laughs> there's, like, also a huge number of, like, soccer parents out there who are, like, tuning in because their kid plays soccer, and they're like, oh, wow, like, that kid made it and makes a lot of money, right? I don't know that, yeah. that like, American soccer parents, some do, certainly, but, like, I, th I think, you know, what you're mentioning, Ty, is that, like, oh, well, you know, we can maybe get a college scholarship out of it where if you really want your kid to, like, I don't know, have fame and fortune, which I'm not necessarily advocating as the best thing, but, like, it's a, it's a viable path as well to, like, get into an MLS academy. But I don't think that's the goal for a lot of right. people, right? Like, I think a lot of people right. are, are, like you said, you know, oh, I hope my kid can get a college scholarship, they can play for the local high school, and then maybe get spotted and play for, you know, a free education for D2, D1, whatever. And I'm not minimizing that. Like you said, like, that's a great thing. It's a, it's a luxury that we have that. I do yeah. think that college cool. is, is diminishing, right? Like, its importance in, you know, player acquisition for MLS teams is very low. I don't think there's a lot of people... I don't know who are like, you know, you look at the national team, like I think Jordan Morris will be definitely the exception and already is in many cases, you know, and the right. fact that he wanted to go to school. And I'm not trashing on Jordan Morris. Like, I think that's a fine choice. And I don't think just because Jermaine Jones calls you and tells you you should go play in Germany means you should do that, right? Like, right. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. But how do we get kids to, to kick the ball around? I think, again, it's just about making it part of the culture. And I think that's why, again, like the World Cup miss is so big because, like, you get a lot of casual fans, average people, and kids, too. Like, I fell in love with the game watching the World Cup in 1998 and then, like, kind of shut down on it. And then, like, in 2002, watched it again and, like, you know started to kind of figure out like oh these guys are playing clubs and like I didn't really start kicking the ball not that I would have been any good like I'm absolute garbage still to this day but like I, I think you know <laughs> Jarnold I think the more the more you have it be part of the culture the better the more that kids are, are are playing not just on the rec fields every Saturday as like a social thing but like with right. an actual goal in mind with parents saying like this could be an avenue for my child and uh, I think that the academies are a good way to, to do that, you know, and they do give kids education. You know, you go to the high, you go to high school and, and, uh, in the academy, and if you don't make it, you know, you do have the opportunity to maybe go on to college, uh, you know, right. depending. So I don't know. I guess that's a rambling way to say, like, educate parents, which is probably too simplistic, mm -hmm. but is at least something that I think we need to do. Hey, man, One of, we're taking all ideas, John. <laughs> but it's true. We'll you have, to, you to, have to put everything on the table, right? Like, I'm not a pro-rel yeah. advocate, but, like, you know, people called in for the phone and asked about pro-rel, and I, I explained why I still don't think it's, it's the, the, net, like, the national team needs to have pro-rel for the national team to succeed. Like, to me, it's a totally separate issue, but I do think it's worth discussing because <laughs> with such a catastrophic yeah. failure, if you don't put everything on the table, you don't have ideas that turn out to be bad, ideas that you think about, programs that you put in place that you eventually realize aren't working. If you don't do that, you're not going to have programs you put in place that are working. You don't have ideas that That's do right. need to be yeah. expressed, right? And so I'm, I, I, I get where we have to wait and, you know, like the election in February could change things, could keep things the same. But as a, if, if I were an American soccer fan, if I'm the listening audience who's listening to my voice right now, I'd be very frustrated because you want to see change, see it, see it happen immediately so we can start parsing out 
which of these ideas is going to work and which is good? You know, is marketing to soccer parents something we right. need to do? Or is John Arnold full of himself and dumb? <laughs> well, both could be true. But, but look, like, we got to figure out if those ideas are, are good or not, right? I mean, like, I don't know. I, I guess. Yes, uh, we have yeah, to like figure it out and we have to try it. And we're never going to get those external factors back. We're never, the, you know, uh, um, Donovan scoring against Ghana is, just, is, is not going to happen this year with Pulisic. And... Uh, you know, it's a tragedy, but we might be able to turn inward with this community that's already involved. You know, we, we can't talk to the people who we're only going to watch because it was the World Cup necessarily because they're not here and they're, it's not going to meet their radar. But we can turn inwards, talk to each other and try to come up with a vision for the future that makes sense and maybe try some ideas. But it is frustrating that uh, in spite of that, in spite of how close this soccer community is and how how much we can all hear each other's voices bouncing around right now. It's right, right. nevertheless has this feeling of like, but wait, like change. It's not, it doesn't actually work that way. Like we can't, like, even if we all as a soccer community came up with a cohesive plan, there would still be all this red tape and all these strange things that Sunil has done to make the presidency only appealing to him mm. as a person that like, doesn't pay. <laughs> right. And it's like, just like a, it's like made for him. There's um, an unknown Columbia uh, professor. There's, a, yeah, there's an unknown clause. You have to be an <laughs> economics professor. Yeah, that's right, there's a yeah. big Keynes versus so, uh, oh Adam, uh, what's his name? Yeah, you can tell how he's Adam, Smith. Yeah, Adam yeah. Smith. There's a big test. Yeah, so 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 it is frustrating. Ty, you, uh, what did you have? I felt like you had one. Yeah. Uh, so I, I have a, a question that you're uniquely suited to answer as the Jonka calf. Um, <laughs> our one of our kind of pet theories on the show is that in the states, the, there's a conspicuous absence of uh, casual play. Uh, both with adults and with kids. So like it's it's quite rare that you would go to your your local playground mm -hmm. and see a bunch of kids just kicking a soccer ball around, which is really odd. Because mm -hmm. Saturday morning, like you said, you see a lot of it, but you don't see it casually, especially in urban areas. Like you just don't see people in in New York walking walking down the street with a ball. Right. Um, but m my question for you is: Is that actually happening in other Concacaf countries, or is that just like a stereotype of? you know, Latin American culture? Yeah, like, yeah. are they playing just as much PlayStation as, as we are? It's a really good question. You know, as I mentioned, on World Football Phone, and I'm, I'm sort of the youth wing of the experts, um, <laughs> and, and, I, and, you know, sometimes I'll hear some of the other guys kind of rail against technology. This generation, you know, doesn't, you know, doesn't go outside as much. Even in, in South America and Africa, and you know, oh, now they're on their phones instead of kicking the ball around. And I think there's something to be said for that. And maybe it's something that does disproportionately affect the U.S. because you know the vast majority of people here are able to afford a PS4 or uh, an iPhone that plays games or an iPad specifically for your kids or what have you. Uh, with that said, I mean, I think it's a really good question because it is the impression that I think we paint a lot of times of Mexico, of Central America, of South America, that, you know, there's just kids playing and it's always dusty for some reason and, like, they're always kicking a soccer ball around. <laughs> but there is some truth to it's it. It's like one big UNICEF commercial. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. yeah. And, like, you kick the ball from Mexico and then a kid in Costa Rica traps it and then you're in Costa Rica and then you kick it down. The, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. But there, there, there are more kick-arounds. I mean, and I think it's also more of a family thing, like, dad is going to go play and so maybe the kid goes to watch or a bunch of kids go to watch and they just sort of end up on the side kicking around uh it, it is part of, i would say i would compare it a lot to basketball here right like yeah you don't you mm -hmm. don't usually go and see a kid kicking around or kids kicking around you know thursday night whatever without some sort of organization but you do see them shooting hoops right like people always are, right, are totally goofing yeah. around and basketball has the advantage of being able to do it individually where with soccer it's a little harder mm. um so but i would say it's the same like in mexico people go out and kick around whereas in the u.s i think people go around and and shoot hoops and that's why i think that like some of the initiatives that are already in place probably should be strengthened and of uh of teams i've seen a lot of mls club teams do this i can only speak specifically to fcd but like they've got a program where they partner with someone they put a field in place artificial turf so it doesn't get meshed, messed up and uh and it's right. just a soccer field at a park and then kids can go and use it and i've seen it in my own neighborhood or you know neighboring neighborhoods being used that's great right but it, it is something that i think we have to have more of because i think that that's where a lot of the skills and technicality get developed one thing that I always yeah. harp on is that, that it, to me, it feels like in the U.S. there is, you know, 
U.S. soccer, capital letters, run by, you know, Sunil Gulati and, and has, you know, development programs, they, they certify referees, et cetera, et cetera. That's sort of one corner of the soccer culture in this country. But another corner that's really, really big is like the Hispanic Latin American quarter of either immigrants or people who've been living here or whatever. And they have leagues too, and they play games too, and they have a different style. And, and I don't see that meshing together a lot. I think Clint Dempsey is a good example of where it does, right? Like mm -hmm. Clint lived in yeah. East Texas. He grew up playing on the right. fields with Latino people, and then he was in the you know Dallas Texans system as well. So like he was able to blend those two styles and look where it got him. You know to Fulham, you know top European clubs, glory with the U.S. national team. Uh, I'm not saying we need to make programs to make more Clint Dempseys, but I think that we need to be cognizant that that that's how he developed. Right? Donovan was the same way, and and I think like. That's to me. That's a huge thing that we're lacking is that we already have resources in the Latino soccer community, and they're just getting ignored, or we don't speak the right language, or, or what have you. So th that to me is really frustrating. And I think in those communities, you are seeing kids do that, go and kick the ball around on a Tuesday night, mm. whereas that doesn't that's necessarily right. happen in other places. And I think that can be an yeah. asset for us, right? That yeah, is totally. the name of the game in the in with this uh, with this whole soccer thing in the states. Because it's just such an enormous country, and uh, the 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 amount of people and the amount of resources that are being directed towards this game in this country is so small compared to what it could be if, let's say, soccer was our main thing, right. you know. And and as you mentioned, there are just infinite, not just the Latino population, maybe not infinite, that's a stretch, but <laughs> there are many, there are many communities uh, that are that are underserved and that are underutilized in, totally. in many areas, not just soccer, but soccer for sure is one that uh, we, could, we could potentially be exposing to people who don't have many options in this country, within this country, and uh, not only potentially giving them an option, but also giving them, giving folks, people, a way to make new friends, to develop uh, strong character traits, um, and, and all these, uh, and, and to develop healthy bodies, which are all important in life. And hey, maybe they, maybe, maybe one or two of these kids grows up to be a Polisic. Yeah, exactly. Um, I want to touch on uh, an overall impression from you of, of CONCACAF. Um, being being someone who's experienced in, in going to a lot of these countries and covering players from there. Um, the the impression that is painted by the US team and US soccer culture is that anytime we have to cross the Rio Grande, it's this like uh. <laughs> horrific hellscape of of, you know, the, the dust filter as you it's as like, you mentioned. Yeah. Gra gravity um, becomes one point five times <laughs> as strong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we're, we're thrilled if we get out of uh, Guatemala with a point <laughs> or, or whatnot. Um, and full, I wonder full disclosure, uh, John Kikaf, we, we, we have like railed on this mentality on this show. Right, um, this, right. This, this idea. And, and it, but it, admittedly, it's hard for us to, to know exactly what it's like not being a player yeah. and not necessarily traveling the CONCACAF region on a regular exactly. basis. Exactly. So, so my, my question is, if, if you are on the ground, you know, in the press box in Honduras, does it kind of make sense the way that those games play out to you? Like, do you see it as a sufficient performance given the circumstances, or do you identify more with our angle that it's kind of babyish to, to have that attitude? And disrespectful, potentially. Uh, yeah, but that's maybe a follow-up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's uh, it's a little of both to me. Like, CONCACAF is a hard place to go away and get results. But it's not necessarily just because of the atmosphere, right? Like, Panama is in the World Cup, and that's legitimate. Like, they earned their spot. They won the games they needed to win. Yeah. They drew Mexico at home. They got they had a lot of results at home because it is a difficult place to play. The fans are good. The weather is different. The, the surface sometimes is, you know, not familiar to visitors, right? So Panama drew Mexico on the road, and... And uh, it's sort of the same concept as the U.S. Like after the game, Mexico saying, you know, this is a tough place to play. We're not used to this. We had to come down here with just three days, you know, and, and sort of figure things out. And it's not always easy. So I do think it is a difficult place to play. A, a lot of different places are in CONCACAF are tough. And I also think that, like, it's a little bit of disrespect toward opponents. Like 
to say, ah, we should be going down there and mowing them down. I just don't think that's the reality anymore for Mexico, for the United, United States, for Costa Rica, for anybody. You're not going to go into to sort of second-tier CONCACAF countries and just win because they're not bad. Like, these teams don't suck. They're not horrible anymore. They were bad back in the day. There's still some teams that are bad. Organization in certain countries is horrible, and, like, countries are going to get blown out in the early stages of qualification. But once you, if you make the hex, like – you're not you're not going to get blown out like the teams don't aren't horrible so i mean i think that plays into it and in that like a lot of times us and mexico fans mexico fans i think are worse about it actually than american fans they have these games and they just think oh we should go down there and win 5-0 and it's they're not going to roll over for you el salvador honduras panama they're not just going to let you do whatever you want to and a lot of times they're going to do that by sitting back and and sort of putting in a bunker and I think it can be difficult to break that kind of playing style if you only have one or two or three days together so I would say I buy the theory that it is difficult to win on the road in CONCACAF but not necessarily because of the atmosphere I think the atmospheres can be a factor but for the most part I would say when teams get Results or when the you know Giants U.S. Mexico failed to get results away in Concacaf. A lot of times it's more down to what happened on the field than what the field looked like or what was surrounding mm. the field. If that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, what, these teams are actually good teams. Uh, go ahead, Ty. What do those teams think of coming to the states? Like, if you if you're reading the Guatemalan press, what do do they do? They say it's tough to go to the states. Uh... No, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think no. Big, <laughs> nah, 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 nah. But part of that nah. is <laughs> part of that is like most of these countries have are well, most of them are small, right? And even Mexico, which isn't small, is you know there's one national stadium, so it's like a lot of it is right. oh well, we're going to this stadium. Like, what's the city like? And they're always one one thing that's great about like Concacaf press is that any time that there's like a fan from that country, they get interviewed and they get like on TV, and so like a lot of times they're sort of <laughs> focusing on hey, like there's Panamanians here, there's Hondurans here supporting the team, and and that kind of thing. I, I don't think nice. that teams, I think teams f- don't like coming to the U.S. because uh, it, the U.S. team traditionally has been difficult to beat. Um, but it's it's a much easier trip to make for a lot of these guys. If you're based in Europe, you can usually catch a direct flight. Um, mm. If you're not based in Europe, you're either already playing in MLS in the U.S. or you know it's a direct flight that's again right. from yeah. Central America. So I think that's one thing that also factors in Concacaf that's difficult is if you're a European-based player and all of a sudden you have to get to the Port of Spain. Well, it's I, I don't I haven't looked. It's possible, but like you're probably not flying direct from. Brussels to Port of Spain, right? So right. So right. I think that's something that it's gets like overlooked well, for the situation. US. Yeah. yeah. Right? <laughs> so here's here's what I'm wondering for you, uh, Name Arnold, John Name Arnold. It it seemed on that day of doom that that the stars really did align, and there was a lot. Uh, so many things that had to fall into place, and every one of them did, uh, and 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 we didn't go to the World Cup. I just get this sense that um, the teams in our region, in the CONCACAF region, are not too upset to see us go. Uh, I get the feeling <laughs> that we've that we've created, we've burned a couple bridges here. And what I'm wondering for you is, do you think that's a result of, because it's not just Mexico as rivals, but Trinidad and Tobago feeling, you know, vindicated, certainly Panama feeling vindicated and, and feeling like they've over, over, uh, overcome a, a sort of rivalry with us or, or some, uh, some, something they were, you know. Beef. They got a beef. beef. A beef. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Ty. A beef. Damn. Um, so what I'm wondering for you is, do you think that's because of how we've handled our soccer culture and how we've approached the game, or do you think no. that's uh, just more a result of the the world, uh, the world's kind of? It's all thing. Po- it, it's it's political. I mean, you talk to the average person in Latin America, what do you think of the United States government? You're not going to hear <laughs> sunshine and light, you know. And I think. Yeah. I know this isn't a politics politics show, and you guys can stick to sports me if you want to. But like, do it, Arnold. Most of the claims no, are, no. are legitimate. Um, there is a yeah, reason that totally. a lot of average citizens in some of these countries. I covered the 2015 Copa America in Chile. Uh, yeah, you know the CIA helped overthrow a government there and put in a dictator who put people in the soccer stadium, the national stadium, as a concentration camp. They're not real fond of that. 
and fair and they shouldn't be right so like I'm not asking yeah. to like re-legislate these things I'm just saying like these those feelings don't go away and so I think that the US in general and I'm not it, Americans are treated well and I think you know you talk to American outlaws and other people who travel for the game like they have a great time the Americans, the, the you know myself and other people are are well received. If you're not being uh, an idiot, right? Yeah, they're happy to Just don't have be a you. Douche. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But if you know, <laughs> but when you talk about the government, I think they're happy to see the U.S. fail because uh, okay. there's usually some lingering feelings based on politics. I don't think it's anything about the soccer. And so you don't think you don't? Yeah, you don't think it's because nah. you don't think uh, like like photos going out of players getting carried over the water. That to me seems well, offensive. Well, no. So that did that. Um, you know that specifically, and some of the other like uh, the. Uh, uh, U.S. soccer tweet after the Panama game saying uh, gracias Mexico or whatever. I can't remember exactly what it said, but you know, there's sort of a gloating oh, uh, tweet or denada Mexico or whatever it was. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, but t- yeah, I mean, <laughs> to me, I-, I do think there's often... So I'll tell you this too. Like Honduras is in the playoff against Australia and the Honduran press has been very carefully going over what the Australian press is saying about the potential of traveling to Honduras, about the potential of fans going to Honduras and experiencing violence, and and sort of whenever anything is said by anybody, it gets written up in the press, you know. Not, maybe uh-huh. not front, but, you know, I can't, you know, oh, Australians think this about it. And I, I think... It's the same deal with, you know, the U.S. players getting carried over the moats after they got taped up or whatever, right? It's like, I think it's a little bit of... Uh, a hair trigger, you know, like where it's like, on the one hand, yeah, we probably should be wiser and more, we definitely should be wiser and, and sort of understand the perception that already exists and try not to further those perceptions, right? And, and come in as not arrogant, but humble and, you know, happy visitors and that kind of thing. On the other hand, I do think yeah. there's a tendency, especially in CONCACAF in general, to sort of like seek out slights, to look for something to sort of be upset about or to write about or to to sort of say oh mm. they have that you know they they have the stereotype about us that we thought they had about us you know sort of seeking validation right, for right, your impression right. of stereotypes so i i would say there is some some sort of maybe bitter feelings about like the, yeah the the moat thing i know uh, frustrated or, or pissed off a lot of people in trinidad the Mexico tweet, but I mean, to me, like the tweet is like rivalry. That's that's sort of whatever. It's, I mean, you know, you're mm-hmm. always Mexico's never going to be like, yeah, hooray, the United States, nice. And used U.S. fans aren't <laughs> going to be to Mexico either. So I don't know. I yeah, mean, I guess what, the, what's Twitter for, anyways? If it's not <laughs> if controversial it's not to, yeah, beef, gloat and piss people off. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it's for. I thought. So yeah, I guess I uh, hope that answers your question. I mean, I, I just I get the feeling that the U.S. isn't. Yeah, I don't feel answer. like it's hated, but I feel like it's definitely not uh, beloved. And like you said, like I don't think people are uh, are are rivals in the region are are bemoaning the fact that the U.S. won't be at the World Cup. Not necessarily because of U.S. soccer or the players or or you know any past treatment, but rather because of of political sometimes present realities and a lot of times things that happened in the past. Right. So one thing um, I wanted to make sure we touch on is to us, uh, your personal arc um, as a, as an American covering the game with, with now a, a global stage through the world football phone in um, that, that represents some of the sort of international um, uh what's the term, understanding or respect that I think we're talking about being missing a little bit. So the fact that you're out there, you know, representing what an American who's involved in soccer is like is, has, has an impact um, and, and, and can help to combat some of those, uh, some of those you know, bulletin board material yeah. kind of attitudes. So um, we wonder if you could you know, quickly recap how you found yourself in this position, uh, being a Yank, learning Spanish so that you could cover uh, uh, the game in, in Mexico and Central America, um, and you know, how you got here. Because if the US wants to progress as a soccer country, we need more politics, but we also need more, uh, more John Arnolds. Uh, maybe, yeah. No, so I, I'm a... <laughs> Absolutely, John Arnolds. <laughs> I'm a... 
I'm just a dude, man. I uh, I moved from uh, Kansas to Texas when I was 11. <laughs> dude, man. Um, started to get into, uh, like I said, you know, I, I watched the 98 World Cup, the 2002 World Cup, and started to realize that these guys are doing things uh, at other times. And so that's when I started to watch club football. As you guys probably know, growing up in the U.S. and being soccer fans, there's, they're, they're, even, you know, in our use, and, and we're not old guys yet, I hope, um, there weren't a lot of games on TV to watch or what have you, but there was always Mexican League on, at that time, the Primera and now Liga Mekis. Um, so I would watch games and, you know, not understand what was really happening, but it always had a little bit of a fascination with, with the Spanish language, just, uh, you know, hearing people speak it as I was growing up in Northeast Kansas and then Texas, um, for sure. So yeah, just uh, I've always been fascinated in it, and really because of the global nature of the game and the fact that it does take you to places like Chile, like Mexico, you know, the UK, Poland, whatever. Like those are places I've been that I wouldn't have gone to otherwise, but you know, but for football or soccer. So uh, I try and like cross. I say football in the world football phone in, so like people don't give me shit. But you know, this is it. I, I'm in, I forget <laughs> that I'm in. Uh, I'm in safe. I'm in a safe space here. You're in America yeah, now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you can say <laughs> it however soccer. you like. It's called soccer. No, so anyway, <laughs> I don't know, man. I just uh, – so basically I, I went to school. I knew I wanted to write about sports. Uh, ended up sort of falling into some soccer blogging on the side while I was mostly writing about American sports and some new stuff at Texas Tech, um, doing stuff for the journalism uh, program, student media, the newspaper. I graduated, had an offer to work in a small Texas town, a small Oklahoma town, or work outside of journalism in Phoenix uh, for like literally twice the money that the journalism paid. So I took that, kept writing on the <laughs> side, kept, you know, kept oh. up with the Spanish, and then I was freelancing some for American Soccer Now, which you guys probably know or have heard of. And uh, John Godfrey, the guy who founds it, uh, I said I wanted to, to write more about MLS, and he said, you know what, I actually want someone who can keep up with CONCACAF so you speak Spanish, right? So I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. And he was like, all right, cool. Like, I'm going to kind of turn you loose and just do whatever you want to keep everybody updated on the teams the U.S. is going to face in the hex. And I'd already sort of seen the, the sort of gap, right? Like, a lot of times you would watch, and, and still today sometimes, you know, I think it's gotten a lot better. If my work has been part of that, then beautiful. But, I, I you know, previously it'd be, okay, here's Costa Rica, and, and, and Saborio's on the team, and there's 10 other guys. And you just, it's like, it was, it was <laughs> right, a real right. lack of understanding of, of what the teams were. You know, we could point to the guy that was in MLS. If there was a guy in the Premier League, maybe we could point to him too. But for the most part, there wasn't that sort of actual knowledge about what was happening with the team, what were the controversies around the team who were the actual star players, not just the guys in MLS. Uh, right. How did the team play? Like, what were the tactics? It was very simplistic and, and sometimes still is. But like I said, I, I've, see, I've been really pleased to see um, interest in CONCACAF, I think, from Americans grow and, and vice versa. I think that CONCACAF countries have recognized that America is growing as a football nation. There's more respect than ever for MLS, even though, you know, when a Mexican player transfers you know, the press goes crazy and no one likes it, but I think there's an understanding <laughs> of what they're doing, of the project, of the idea. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of how I got started and ended up doing this. I ended up, uh, obviously, catching on full-time at goal, and from there I've just sort of uh, been fortunate enough to get connected with the right people, I guess, and, and been able to find, uh, yeah, more places to to be around. I mean, it's... it's uh, I don't know, like, it's, you know, we were talking about, like, when, Amer when Mexicans meet an American or when people from another country meet an American, the fact that I can communicate or at least, you know, and you don't have to be a Spanish fluent speaker or even a Spanish speaker at all, but if you're smiling and you're pleasant, like, you know, you're going to have a good interaction, right? If I could just take that little clip and, and just bottle it and get it into everybody's ear in this country. Like, you don't have, you know what I mean? Just smile. Just be pleasant. <laughs> be pleasant. No, I mean, I, but, and I think it does say, you know, I think the fact that I am able to communicate in, in the Spanish language and the fact that I'm, yes, I've tried yes, does yes. show an intent, right? To say, yes, like, you are important the, and we put value on this and, and I want to interact. I want to interact with you, right? Right. So, I mean, and it that's does one help. of the great things about this game is that yeah, it, it gives absolutely. us access in a certain, it yeah. gives us exposure, I should say, rather than access to cultures that we don't 
necessarily know or understand. And, you know, maybe I don't know much about the Ivory Coast, but I do know, like, Drogba's yeah. the man. You know what I mean? And I think he's hella cool. And now all of a sudden I'm thinking about how did his how did his upbringing affect his play and why does he play like that? And, and you know, what, what a great opportunity this is for us to expand our minds. It, I still yeah. have friends, guys, who I have to explain that the World Cup is the biggest sporting event in the world. But it takes people, us- Americans, like... I was just going to say, it takes us back to the base, right, of why we fell in love with the game in the first place. And I do think that's important to keep in mind when we're bitching about Sunil Galati or when we're, you know, pissed that Bruce Arena played the same starting 11 against Trinidad that he played against Panama. Like, part of the reason that it's so important that we get this right that we are able to get back to the World Cup, that, and, and I'm saying we just as an American citizen, that, that the U.S. Soccer Federation is not involved in bad things and is growing the game and is helping kids get involved and is helping parents understand. Like the reason that we care, the three of us, your listeners almost certainly, and, and in, I, I truly believe anyone in the U.S. soccer community, although there are some people who I don't have a lot of love for, but that's, I, the reason that we care is because we love it. And we've, we've experienced that. We've yeah. experienced that connection yep. with people from other cultures. We've experienced the joy of, of seeing a team win, of seeing Landon Donovan score against Algeria and put us into the next round. You know, we've, we've experienced those things, and we want other people to, to experience it too, and we want to keep growing. And I think it, it's very, very easy to forget the joy. And we can't lose sight of that. It's, we can't lose sight of that. It's so is it so is John Kakaf, Neymar Arnold, <laughs> folks. If you're enjoying uh, the show, or if you've been enjoying, um, or even if you feel mediocre to it, but you're okay with lying on a review, uh, review us on iTunes and uh, give us five stars, and your review might get read on the on the air. Uh, and and it's really one of the most helpful things you can do for us to support the podcast, to support this culture. And John, you've you've, you've been very modest, but I I really think. Um, you know, the, the, the contributions from many people, including yourself, are vital to this soccer culture. Um, and, and I think what the three of us are doing today is, is kind of the point. You know, we're, we're getting together, we're talking about it, we're trying to figure out things that are bigger than us that we don't necessarily understand all angles of, and together we're going to tackle this issue. And isn't that the whole point of, of being into this together? Hell yeah. I have one more uh, one more light question to close us out that was fantastic um dude I thank wonder... you so much john by the way as as we were kind of getting close to that time I, i'm gonna start <laughs> thanking you now and i won't stop until the tapes uh, the tapes cease <laughs> all right i'll, I'll say you're assess? welcome now and then i'll i'll say it again if you keep repeating <laughs> nice. Nice. All right. Um, uh, there is a sub theme on the world football phone in because uh, Dotton is always eating something in the studio. Uh, you, <laughs> food often comes up. So I am quite curious. What has been your 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 best surprise uh, food item at a Concacaf stadium, and your worst food item at a Concacaf <laughs> stadium? Yeah. Oh, uh, great question. So, the, the by far, I've never purchased this but I've, it's an item i've had many times at the stadium when you what do you guys get at the stadium like if you're at a game like and you see you get, i mean are you uh popcorn beer pretzel like what it, beer i mean i'm thinking uh, about beer yeah whatever the opposing fans are selling in the parking lot <laughs> yeah okay i mean that's good. In, in the azteca not not i've never seen it around the azteca but in the azteca you know you, you get the people walking up and down i guess we call them vendors right people uh, cotton candy yeah. popcorn in the azteca you can get tacos which is like you know of course but you can also get some people have uh, purchased and then made cups of ramen noodles Straight up, like Baruch and <laughs> like it's the it's the legitimate like you know bought in the store and then they've oh they've assembled it for you and then it, and you can buy it from a vendor, you know with the oh the God. soup pre made. Uh, I guess that's the best. Uh, worst. I mean, there's like uh, some very <laughs> how mediocre... can that be legal? That's so oh, well, villain. That's so fun. There's some very mediocre sandwiches in the Concacaf region. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I've heard it's Ooh. better now, but at Club Tijuana at halftime, they used to give us like and Tijuana, man, what an amazing. I, I lived there for a year. The food is incredible. Like you, you have to look to find a bad meal in TJ. However, uh, if I guess yeah, here's your spoiler: is that you can go at halftime at the Estadio Caliente, and I'm glad that they give the press food. Don't get me wrong, but like it, 
would just be like a piece of ham and like just an enormous roll of bread. And then I don't like tomatoes. It would just be tomatoes. So I would usually, uh, you can get tacos in the stadium. And, and, uh, and so I would usually just do that. That was, that was a better decision. There's, there's several uninspiring sandwiches throughout the CONCACAF region, which is sad because there's also like great sandwiches too. But I don't know. I, I think you're on the right That's path. That's the biggest problem with you, our development. <laughs> our sandwich culture. If you eat before and after the game, I think you usually go. I think that's the right strategy. Eat something at the, with the, yeah. at the tailgate yeah. before, some sort of meat that's been thrown on a grill. If you're vegetarian, you know, firing up some veggies a lot of times is in the same, you know, uh, hot plate or whatever it's called. Then drink beer during the game and then eat after as well. I think that's your best strategy because there's usually some good stuff to be found. Life lessons from the Neymar. <laughs> You gotta have a strategy, man. I you gotta it. have a strategy, or else you're gonna end up. You know, it's like when you fly, the travel too, right? Like when you you don't want to eat in the airport. <laughs> yeah. You want to eat. That's at, right. On the yeah. ground at at a place, and then when you land in the place and get going, but you know, to, a lot of times you're eating. Yeah, you're buying the, an uninspiring sandwich from the uh, from the flight attendants. You know, L McDonald's. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I have, <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. Like, there's Subway in uh, in Mexico and and every and pretty much every country. And, like, that's one of the only things I've ever eaten and then not felt that great after is, like, Subway. So, uh, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Food that's shipped in from the right, States exactly, is, the, exactly. is the biggest well, health yeah, I mean, risk. It's, uh, I know they're eat fresh, but I think you can get a little fresher usually. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so Subway, much. Subway, I think your, your sandwiches are so fresh and, and you know, we'd, we'd welcome an endorsement or sponsorship. They have to pay us Subway. before we say that. Hey, if you're, look, oh, you know, oh, never don't, mind. Don't pretend, I'm, don't I'm pretend, at the moment neutral. Don't pretend that I'm not going to be Pelé and like in a week be like, ah, yes, uh, the only thing that I care about <laughs> is developing more kids eating Subway sandwiches. So if, if the money's right, you know, we're all, we all have a price. Yeah. We all have a price. <laughs> Other sandwiches are available. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much once again, John Arnold. It ha- it hath been a pledge, a true pledge. Uh, anytime, guys. You're welcome, and uh, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. So, folks, I love, uh, uh, you know, I love, I love myself a cap to a water bottle of some kind. Um, you know, they, they, it depends on the water bottle you get, but they they generally come with caps. And I know this seems obvious, but those caps are crucial. Because what are you going to drink the whole thing in one gulp? You're going to need to cover it up. So I like, I like uh, caps on my water bottles. I very much uh, like to um, to to scratch uh, this one little spot on my head that tends to just build up. Uh, this is a, this is TMI, folks, but that tends to build up a, a little a little dandruff flake up there. And I, I know there there are soaps and shampoos that can fix that, but I just like to scratch that spot. That's my approach. Wow. And and uh, I I very much. Love it uh, when I have a full drawer of clean socks. But I don't love any of that shit as much as I love the Nats. Let's go, boys! Thank you, John. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people.